Welcome to the Appalachian Folklore Podcast presents Stories from the Cabin, a storytelling podcast within a podcast featuring tales from the countries and cultures whose people make up the diverse region we know as Appalachia. I'm your host, Aaron Bobbitt. Hey folks, welcome to Stories from the Cabin. I wanted to do a special bonus episode for Halloween and tell you a small collection of witch stories that I've gathered from Patrick W. Gaynor's book, Witches, Ghosts, and Signs, Folklore of the Southern Appalachians. I have five short stories to tell you today, all with elements that will sound pretty familiar. They're short, fun, little witchy stories from first-person accounts or family tales passed down from generation to generation. Nothing popular, it's more small family stories. So tuck in and enjoy. The Witch Doctor's Silver Bullet I lived by an old woman who said she was bewitched. Her son lived right below me in a house, and when my husband would be away working at night, this old woman would come and stay with me. Her name was Sarah, and she had this oldest son before she was married. She lived with him. She said that when she was in bed with this baby, when it was born, she said that she could see this woman coming in, but her mother couldn't see her. She said she'd come right through the keyhole of the door, and she'd stick pins in this baby, and the blood would come out. She'd just do things to get even with her. Well, her daddy went to an old witch doctor that lived up there above Talcott. When he came in, he asked for bullet molds. People had those old rifles. They had used bullet molds to mold the bullets. And he had a package of needles in his pocket. She said he took out nine needles and broke the point off one of the needles. And he said, I'd like to have a big piece of cardboard. They had a great big log house and they burned wood in the fireplace. This old man who was a witch doctor got the pasteboard and drew a picture of a woman making the toes and all. He said, we don't want to hurt her too bad. I think I'll just shoot off one of her toes. He said, that'll stop her from doing these crazy things. You know, this witch would pinch the baby and do all kinds of things, but her mother, her father, and her sisters couldn't see her. So this old man took her picture and nailed it up on a big oak tree in the yard. Then he stepped back a pace and took the rifle and shot the big toe off the right foot. And he said, now they'll be here to borrow something before long. Well, sure enough, they came to borrow turpentine. They said this old woman was chopping wood and cut the end off her big toe, and they wanted the turpentine. They said they didn't let her have the turpentine. The Violent Witch John Gerald down here, who died a few years back, had two sons. My grandmother told me this. There was an old woman got mad at them, because she was always borrowing things from them, and finally they quit letting her have things, because she would never bring anything back that she had borrowed. Well, my grandmother said that this old woman would come through the keyhole door with a hammer, and she beat one of the boys with the hammer till he was finally dead, with the blood gushing out of his ears and his mouth. Even when they stopped up the keyhole, she would push through it and attack this boy. Finally, the father made a silver bullet, and he went to that old woman and he showed her the bullet. He said to her, Now we know you're a witch, and you've caused the death of our boy. I'm telling you right now, if you ever do anything more to any of my family, I'm going to kill you with this here silver bullet. She begged him not to hurt her, and she promised him she would never do anything to harm anybody. My grandmother knew this woman, and she knew her to do strange things. But this took place before I was born. I'm telling it to you as my grandmother told it to me. 
but my grandmother knew her to do strange things like that. The Witch of Buck Run Mrs. Leadham was a stooped and crippled old lady. One could always hear her coming by the tap, tap, tap of her cane as she walked along the country road. Her back had been broken in an accident when she was a girl. People thought she was strange, which gave rise to the stories in the neighborhood that Mary was a witch. She was a frequent visitor in the Taylor family home. The good yellow cream of the Taylor's cows had, for years, been churned into butter and traded at the village store for the weekly supply of groceries. One day, after Mary Leadham had visited at the Taylor home, one of the girls got the churn ready and began to churn. She churned for about an hour, and still there was no sign of butter. No matter how hard she churned, the butter would not come. This was a very serious thing for the Taylor family. They depended on the butter to trade at the store. Word got around very soon among the neighbors that the Taylors couldn't get butter from their cream. Since the trouble started right after Mary Leadham had been there, they were pretty sure that she had put a spell on the cream so that no butter would come. One of the neighbors suggested that they break the spell by heating a butcher knife until it was red hot and then plunging it into the churning of cream. She said this would break the spell. And when they had done this, a visitor would soon come and want to borrow something. This visitor would be the witch. Friday morning was the time to churn, so that the fresh butter could be taken to the store on Saturday. As usual, the cream would not turn into butter. The butcher knife was then heated to a cherry red thrust into the churn of cream. Only a little more churning was necessary to produce the usual large amount of butter. Sounded on the boardwalk leading up to the house. There was the bent figure of Mary Leadham. Mrs. Taylor, could you loan me a teaspoon of baking soda? Asked Mary Leadham. I've got a burn on my leg and would like to put some soda on it. And there on her leg was a large red welt in the exact image of a butcher knife. The Witchery of Mary Leadham There was a young farm couple who lived on short run in Tyler County, West Virginia. Since both of them had worked out in the field together quite often, they had to have someone to take care of their only child, a little baby girl. They hired Mary Leadham to stay in the house to take care of the baby and to do some light housework. One day the couple went out in the field, leaving the baby in its little bed, sleeping peacefully with Mary Leadham looking after her. They hadn't been in the field very long when Mary came screaming for them to come to the house. When they got to the house, they found their baby dead in her bed. They accused Mary Leadham of being a witch and of putting a spell on the child so that it died. Of course, Mary denied it, but she was forced to leave. She was then taken in by another family to do housework. father of this family said he didn't believe in witchcraft and that he was not afraid of Mary Leadham. Mary used to sit at her spinning wheel with the children gathered around her watching her spin. But the biggest attraction was the little white mouse that would climb on top of the spinning wheel and sit there while Mary spun. Then it would disappear mysteriously. No one seemed to know where it came from, but it was thought to be a result of the witchery of Mary Leadham. The Witch of Bull Run Meets Her Match Old Aunt Eunice, a native of Bull Run, Gilmer County, was well known as a witch. She had sold herself to the devil when she was 16 years old, and she had said the devil promised her that she would live a 100 years after that. She was approximately 120 when she died. Aunt Eunice was able to make people's cows stop giving milk. She could take a hatchet and stick it in the corner of the house, 
steal a dish rag and hang it on the hatchet. And that evening, the cows of the neighbors would give no milk. One time, Aunt Eunice bewitched Hezekiah Griffith, who lived on Crooked Run. Every night when Hezekiah went to bed, a darning needle would hop across the floor and jump on his chest. Finally, he couldn't put up with it anymore, so he went to the witch doctor to get a cure. The witch doctor told him to catch the needle and fetch it to him. Next night, he lay in bed and pretended to be asleep. When the needle jumped on his chest, he was ready for it. He grabbed the needle and held on to it, and early in the morning before daylight, he took that needle to the witch doctor. The witch doctor heated the needle until it was red hot, then he bent it double. He told Hezekiah not to let Aunt Eunice get hold of that needle. Well, it wasn't too long till she sent someone after him, and she said she wanted to see him right away. When he got to her house, he found her all doubled up with the cramps. She was bent just like that needle. She begged him to straighten out that needle. After she promised him that she wouldn't bother him anymore, he put the needle on the fire to get it red hot. And when he did this, she moaned with pain. When he straightened out that needle, she got well right away, and Hezekiah was never bothered anymore after that. And there you have it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate y'all joining me today. I'll have another bonus episode on Halloween. I'm going to do a little non-Appalachian ghost story. And then on November 1st, I'll have the next installment of the Appalachian Folklore Podcast based on Appalachian death folklore. I feel like that's pretty apt for the season. So stay tuned for that, and I'll be talking to you later. Y'all be good. Thanks for spending your time with me here at the Appalachian Folklore Podcast. If you'd be so kind as to like, review, and subscribe to this show on whichever platform you use, I'd greatly appreciate it as it helps spread the word. And after all, isn't that what folklore is about? You can find the Appalachian Folklore Podcast on social media at AppFolklorePod. You can also email me with questions, comments, corrections, stories, recipes, etc. at AppFolklorePod at gmail.com. And you can visit my website, shows.acast.com AFP. Thanks to Jonathan Ochoa for the Appalachian Folklore Podcast cover art. The intro music is Stillness by Riviel. The outro music is I Can See the Sky by All Severed Lake. You can find all citations to the references mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.